Women have been giving birth for centuries, so it's a pretty natural experience, right? Wrong. I'm Stephanie King, professional doula, childbirth educator, and the creator of the My Essential Birth Course, the online childbirth education course that's helping women everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. Today's culture would have us think that birth should be treated like an illness or an emergency, and that most of us need other people telling us what's best for our bodies because we aren't the experts. So sit tight, because if you're tuning into this podcast, you'll probably start to believe in your body, your intuition, and find yourself empowered and confident to do what it takes to have the birth of your dreams. If you like listening to me take you through these weekly topics step-by-step, then you're going to love the My Essential Birth course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and definitely head over to myessentialbirth.com for the free downloads mentioned right here in these episodes and to join the birth course and community full of pregnant moms just like you. I have to add a disclaimer that I am not a medical professional and I cannot provide medical advice. All of the information expressed in this podcast are based off of personal, professional, and educational experiences and are my own opinions. Please work with a provider you trust for medical advice during your pregnancy and birth. All right, I want to get started this week with the reviewer of the week. And this one comes from Britt Ditzig. Excuse me if I did not say that right. She says, so helpful. We're expecting our first baby this October, and I feel like I couldn't find anything that was organic, unbiased, and had all the details. I'm so thankful to the MEB podcast. My husband and I are planning to enroll in the course. Thanks, MEB team, for creating this content. Thank you, Britt, so much for leaving this review. I love what I do. I love creating the content. And seriously, we're about to jump into some more amazing content right now. And I hope that all of you absolutely love today's podcast episode. So just so that I can jump in and get started, today is all about twins. And so I will tell you, um, certainly within the course, we've had several women who have had twins and a lot of questions that have come through um, down to like the nitty gritty things, right? So I'm, and we're going to get into all that in just a minute. But since that is not my forte. I really wanted to bring in somebody that could talk to um, to twins really clearly, um, educated, and also from personal experience. And so today I have with me Dr. Nate Fox. So he's been on the podcast before. Wanted to welcome him back today. He is a maternal fetal medicine doctor in New York. Super laid back, really easy to talk to. We had a super fun conversation last time, and I'm excited for today. The kind of provider that you would enjoy meeting with and that I would feel comfortable going to for my pregnancy care. Um, And since today's podcast topic is all about twins, I thought it's fun to have him joining us because not only is this a specialty of his professionally, but he's also the father of twins. So we're going to get the parenting side as well as the doctor side, and I think that's really fun. So Nate, thank you so much for joining me again here uh, for another birthy conversation. So will you take a moment and just say hello and introduce, reintroduce yourself um, and anything else you feel like saying? Yeah. Hi. Uh, thank you so much for having me back. It's so nice to see you. It's so nice to talk to you and to be on your podcast and to be a part of what you're doing, which I think is amazing, of course. Uh, yeah. My name is Nate Fox. I am a OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine specialist. I practice in New York City. And um, we take care of a lot of twins in our practice, and I publish on twins, and I love twin pregnancies, and so I'm more than happy to have this conversation today. And as you said, I'm the father of twins who are 21 years old. So yes, I had them when I was nine, uh, which is <laughs> okay, so it's all good. But um, yeah, it. Was, listen, it was it was fun. We went on to have uh, two more kids, so they clearly did not, you know, crush us. 
That's awesome. I love that you got those first, too. We were just talking about that before this um, podcast episode. The gentleman mm. here was like, that's what my wife wants to have first. And I'm like, if you have twins first, I bet the others are just going to be a breeze. <laughs> so it's, maybe um, you can speak to that. Is yeah. that how it was? Yeah. Having twins first, I think, is a good idea because when you go from zero kids to any number of kids, it's a huge change and a shock to the system. So since you don't know any better, like, all right, we have two kids, like whatever. Um, having twins is not as hard as having two kids who are like a newborn and a two-year-old. Twins are like 1.5 times as hard as having one kid. Uh, but they do the same thing. Like you feed one, you feed the other. You bathe one, you bathe the other. You change one, you change the other. Whereas when you have a newborn and a two-year-old, you're trying to like nurse the newborn and the two-year-old is like running across the street and it's, yeah. it's not less. <laughs> so. Totally true. Totally true. Okay, so you're also the, um, you have your own podcast, and that's the Healthful Woman Podcast. Do you want to just take yeah. a moment and talk about that? And then I'll let everybody know at the end, too, exactly where to find you and all that information. Yeah, sure. So started a podcast now about a year and a half ago. As you said, it's called Healthful Woman, which we, on paper, sounds great. But then when you try to pronounce it, it's really a mouthful. Um, <laughs> so it's healthful and then woman in the singular. And we do uh, right now we're doing one a week before we were doing two a week, dropping a ton of podcasts. And it's really just about content. We've just recorded a bunch on twin pregnancies we're going to drop. We've had on, you know, everything on new pregnancies, on women's health, on gynecology, on delivery, on labor, uh, pretty much everything. And it's been a lot of fun. And we also started a second one called High Risk Birth Stories, which is nice. where women, families, parents get to tell their own story at their births. It's not all disasters just because it says high risk. Most of them are very happy uh, stories, but it's, um, it's been awesome. It's, it's a lot of fun. That's great. And I will just for everybody listening, I'll make sure to link it in the show notes. So definitely take a listen to that. I've heard quite a few of them and they're just, it, I love it because I feel like it's really good information, but again, conversational. So then you feel like you're learning, but it's normal to hear it. It's not, it, I think it makes it less scary, honestly. And, yeah. and for me, like being a birth geek, right. Or even as a mom, I was like, I want to know all the things. And so the podcast is absolutely excellent and definitely think everyone should go and take a listen. Yeah, okay. It's the same thing you're doing, basically. It's trying to get yeah. information to people in a way that's understandable, that's digestible, um, that's fun to listen to. Yeah. And you and I come at it from different angles, maybe, and that's great. You can hear it sure. from different angles. But it's the same idea, because if you just go to Google, it's a disaster. You just yeah. you end oh, up don't, don't Google. and everyone's <laughs> going to die tomorrow. You know, and you it's so true. Google. Yeah. And you were saying with the two episodes, because I did, I just saw that like that 100th episode, or I'd seen something and I'm like, how did he catch up? Like, I know I've been doing it a little bit longer, so makes sense <laughs> but and too that you've got the twin podcast like this will come out and then i mean a little bit before they can go back and like listen to all the twin things there too so i think it's gonna be perfect yeah. so much fun awesome. all right so i i went and polled my audience um i wanted to hear like okay what questions do you guys have what's come up within the birth course and so i just kind of threw all of those questions together and i plan to throw them all at you right now um take what you like leave the rest if you're listening but I, I just wanted to kind of like work through them. And then if you have any comments along the way, please just, you know, anything that comes up, go ahead and throw that in. But the first, okay, cool. The first question that came up was, do all twin moms need to meet with a maternal fetal medicine or high risk doctor? And if not, like what constitutes having to or not having to meet with them, a specialist? Yes, it's a really good question, and I would say uh, the short answer is, unfortunately, it depends. Um, so Fair. it doesn't really yes or no. I would say that if you're having twins, you really, you need to be followed by someone who knows what they're doing. 
right? That's really the most important thing. And so twins need, number one, just at baseline, totally uncomplicated twins, healthy mother, healthy pregnancy. They need a lot of follow-up because their twins are at increased risk of a lot of complications in pregnancy. Now, yes, most people with twins do fine and have two healthy babies, but you know, what about the risk of preterm birth? And what about the risk of fetal growth restriction? And what about nutrition in twins and all these things? So you need to be with someone or being cared for by someone who knows this. And maternal fetal medicine specialists are in that category. It's one of the things we do. Um, there's certainly maternal fetal medicine specialists who don't see twins. I mean, it's not like all of us do, but basically it's one of the things we train in. They're definitely OBGYNs who have a lot of experience in twins and would know the right things to do. And I'm sure there's midwives as well who have a lot of experience with twins. I suspect that the midwives would probably work in cahoots with either an OBGYN or a maternal fetal medicine specialist because a lot of the follow-up of twins does require a lot of ultrasounds to see how the babies are growing, to see the baby's positions, to check the cervix, because these are not things you can just get by exam or by history or by field. You really need to look and get that data. So someone's going to be doing a bunch of ultrasounds from the beginning of pregnancy all the way to the end. In our practice, uh, since we're like a high-risk practice, patients with twins, women with twins who come to us, we do everything. So we do their ultrasounds, we do their prenatal care, we do their deliveries. Uh, but for a lot of people, that's not an option. Either they don't want that model um, or it's not available to them. They can't find someone who takes care of a lot of twins and does deliveries. So frequently, it'll be sort of a, a collaborative model. So maybe you'll go to your OBGYN or your midwife who's caring for you in the pregnancy and talking about, you know, all the things that your symptoms and your contractions and your nutrition and the delivery. And then you're also seeing somebody who's doing all the monitoring, like with the ultrasounds or the non-stress tests or whatever it is. And that's usually a maternal fetal medicine specialist. Doesn't have to be specifically, but it usually is. Um, so that's a long answer, but probably you'll have some relationship with a maternal fetal medicine specialist or someone at least with a lot of experience taking care of twins in terms of doing the follow-up. Okay, and so I probably have this out of order for the questions that I was going to list, but now you've got me curious because you had mentioned, and I know women are going to ask, there are certain risks and complications that will have you meeting maybe specifically just with a maternal fetal medicine specialist. And so what are some of those things that bring women to you to meet just with you? Right. I mean, I think technically twins are at increased risk of every single complication of pregnancy except for going past your due date. Um, but the, the, the ones that really matter and are the you know, most likely and the most um, important, there's basically three. The third one isn't really a risk. It's just sort of something we'll talk about, that there is a higher rate of C-section in twins. I don't really call that a risk so much as like a, it's a reality, let's say. Mm. Um, and we'll definitely talk about that. Uh, in terms of risk, number one, twins are definitely high risk of preterm birth. So if you look at, in the U.S., women carrying one baby, on average, are going to deliver around 39 to 40 weeks. 40 weeks being your due date, so they'll deliver within a week of the due date on average. If you're carrying twins, the average is one month earlier, 35 to 36 weeks. And that's in the uncomplicated twins. There are other, like if you have identical twins or this, it's going to be earlier. And so on average, you're going to deliver a month earlier. Now, again, you could go to 38, 39 weeks potentially with twins, but it's just less likely. Now, if I knew someone is going to deliver their twins at 35 to 36 weeks, almost all those babies are perfectly fine. They may or may not need to go to the NICU for a couple of days. Uh, you know, again, they could go home with the mother potentially, but they're going to be fine in the long term, and it's not as big a deal. 
But, you know, there's a percentage of twins, let's say 10%, who are going to deliver under 32 weeks, two months early, which is a, bi a bigger deal. And there's probably about 3 to 5% who will deliver under 28 weeks, which is really premature. And so that's one of the big risks. The, the problem is there isn't a ton that we can do about it to prevent that from happening. I mean, we try. There's this is and that's. And, but most of the stuff we've tried over the years doesn't really work. Uh, but certainly having that preparation that it might happen where am I going to deliver? Is it going to be at a place that has a good NICU? Am I close to somewhere? You know, there's a lot of things that need to be addressed, even if we can't, quote unquote, fix the problem. Uh, and the second real risk with twins is that one or both babies are going to be measuring smaller than they should be. We call that either growth restriction. Sometimes it's called intrauterine growth restriction. It used to be called intrauterine growth retardation. We don't use that term anymore for lots of reasons, but it's taken on a lot of negative connotations, obviously. Even though medically, it's not considered like a taboo word, but just when you start talking about that, you, you lose people. So it's called yeah. restriction. Um, and that is somewhat out of the control of the mother, meaning it's just how the placentas are going to work. There is something she can do, however. That's why we focus a lot on nutrition, because good nutrition in twin pregnancies is critical, much more so than in singleton pregnancy, I would say. Uh, and the consequences are much more real uh, in terms of you know how the babies are going to grow and potentially when she's going to deliver. After those two, yeah, there's a slightly higher risk of getting diabetes in pregnancy, and there's a slightly higher risk of getting preeclampsia when the blood pressure goes up, and you know, but they're not that uh, common. It, does, it doesn't go up by a ton, uh, but having the early birth and having small babies and having the cesarean is a lot. Uh, that's a pretty high chance of all three, and so we, we really focus on those. Yeah, um, that kind of actually leads me into my next question, and that was the big one. Everyone's wanting to know, can I carry my babies to full term or what does that look like? And so when you had actually mentioned identical twins, I know IVF has come up as a question. Mm -hmm. Are there more risks with that? So will you maybe speak to that a little bit about full term babies and the differences right. in twins and what that looks like? Sure. Uh, so full term, uh, we consider full term 37 weeks. That's why that was considered full term. Who knows? But that's what it is. And yeah, I mean, a definite a, a percentage of twins are going to make it to 37 weeks, uh, pr particularly women who, let's say, it's not their first child, and they've carried other babies to full term, then their chances with twins are higher. Um, the next group is the women who it's their first pregnancy or their first babies, and the highest risk group of delivering earlier, not making it to full term, are those who delivered premature with the first baby, mm. which these are all logical conclusions, but they're, they're actually sure. true. Um, and so a lot of women get to full term with twins or very close to full term. One of the interesting things is typically once you get to about 38 weeks with twins, so that's two weeks before the due date, um, there really isn't that much benefit to staying pregnant in terms of the baby's growth and development. In fact, it tails off and their risk starts going up and up in terms of the placenta separating like an abruption or their growth not being good or risks of like really horrible things like stillbirth. And so typically, if someone does make it to 37, 38 weeks, uh, we would recommend delivery at that point. Uh, again, either reducing the labor or a C-section based on what's appropriate for her. Uh, but usually we don't let twins go past 38 weeks and higher risk twins potentially earlier. Uh, but women can't take twins to full term. We're not going to deliver them, you know, prematurely just because they're twins. Uh, there's going to be some other risk factors involved. IVF doesn't have a huge role in that decision. Um, IVF increases the risks of some things a little bit. The main thing it increases the risk of is twins, right? Having <laughs> right. <laughs> more likely to have twins, certainly if they put in two embryos, but even if they put in one embryo, uh, in nature, if you have one embryo, the chance of it splitting into two and getting identical twins 
is about one in 300. But if you have IVF and they put in one embryo, the chance of it splitting into two is about one in 30. It's about 10 times higher. Uh, why that is is not exactly known, and that figure of one in 30 is not precise. It could be one in 50, this, that, but it's certainly higher than one in 300. Um, so women who have IVF do have an increased risk of all kinds of twins. Yeah, that's super interesting. Um, and so when you're talking about the, it becomes safer for babies to, like the risk starts going up after 38 weeks, this is specific to twins, is that yeah. correct? Okay. Yeah, yeah, for twins. For, for women who are trying one baby, it sort of depends on our other risk factors, but we don't typically think that uh, 38 weeks, maybe 39, maybe 40, maybe 41. It sort of depends on the exact situation, and there's also a lot of uh, debate right now what is exactly the best thing to do for you know low-risk women carrying one baby. Should we wait? Should we deliver? And there's a lot of ways to do this, and I would say that that's still an ongoing conversation. And certainly, of course, what you know her wishes are as a huge component yeah. of that. Some women want to be delivered as soon as humanly possible, and other ones want to wait <laughs> as long as humanly possible. And so right. you try to work with everyone's uh, preferences and that and just as long as it's safe both for the mother and for the baby we try to give people you know, like a, a window of time that's a good option love it okay so next question that kind of follows along with that mm -hmm. is we've got babies and everything looking mm -hmm. like it's going well what are my odds yeah. of delivering vaginally with twins so it depends who's taking care of you in the u.s right now the likelihood of having a cesarean delivery in all twins is on the order of like 80 plus percent, uh, meaning most twins are going to end up with a cesarean. Now, some of that is because of twins, and some of that is because um, the doctors and the midwives are not comfortable delivering twins vaginally, and so you have to sort that out a little bit. I would say that there are um, some, I don't want to say competing interests, but there's a lot of factors that go into that. So first of all, you have to keep in mind that since IVF is one of the huge risk factors for twins, a lot of the women carrying twins are higher risk for cesarean at baseline. So they may be older, they may have had prior cesareans, they may have had IVF, they may have other things going on, they may have had surgery on their uterus. And so there, some of that is just related to it's a higher risk population. Okay. Number two, right now, most people in the U.S. are not going to be comfortable delivering babies where the where the baby is feet first right or breech mm. so the first twin is not head down it's going to be hard to find a doctor or midwife who's going to be comfortable delivering you vaginally i'm sure there are some out there uh, and that's how they used to be delivered so it's not like it's definitively unsafe but it's just logistically going to be hard to find that person and so about 40 percent of women with twins the first baby is going to be feet first. So sort of all those women aren't even trying to have a baby vaginally because no one's going to do it. So they're going to have a C-section. There are other reasons why C-section risk might be higher, like, you know, just, again, not related to the doctor, but sort of just in general, you know, the higher rate of if you're doing very early or maybe there's preeclampsia or other things going on. But if everything is going well and the first baby is head first, what really impacts the likelihood of a C-section is really whether the provider, right, so doctor, midwife, whoever's going to be delivering the baby, is comfortable doing twin deliveries. And that includes delivering the second baby feet first as a breach. So like, for mm -hmm. example, in our practice, we don't do breach deliveries where the first baby, either one of two twins, or if it's just one baby and baby's breech, we don't do those vaginally for a lot of reasons, but most of the studies um, indicate it's not as safe for the baby. There's a lot of debate about that, but we'll just 
state that that's how it is. <laughs> that's fair. Um, but we're very comfortable delivering the second baby feet first as a breach. Uh, and in fact, we're also comfortable in certain circumstances if the second baby is head first uh, and circumstances warranted to reach up and actually flip the baby such that we can deliver the second baby feet first um, when it was head first. But that requires skill. You have to know what you're doing. You have to have trained in it. You can't just sort of like do it. And so there aren't a ton of people who are trained in that in the US. There are, they're out there. And the ones who do it, there's, it's been shown to be absolutely as safe as doing a cesarean for the twins, for the babies. And so in our practice, as long as the first baby is head first, and there's some exceptions where there's you know some discrepancies in the weight and this, but basically for almost everybody where the first twin is head first, we're very comfortable trying for a vaginal delivery. Either she goes into labor or if we have to induce, you know, all of the above. And after baby A comes out head first, we'll deliver baby B either head first or as a breach or maybe change the position from head first to breach and do the delivery. And in our practice, and our numbers are very similar to other large studies out of France where they do the same thing, the likelihood of a vaginal delivery is really pretty high. It's about 80% in women who try, uh, which, wow. is not, which is not much different from if you're carrying one baby. If you look at the yeah. stats in the US, it's actually lower than that. Um, yeah. the, US, uh, the C-section rate for, for uh, single babies is usually about 23% for women in labor, something like that. So ours is lower. Um, similar to what they've seen in France. And the other thing that's important is, if you look at data on what is the likelihood if I'm gonna deliver my first baby vaginally and then get stuck with a C-section for my second baby, yeah. you know, delivery, which is just, that's just not a, I mean, it's not a bad outcome if everyone's okay, but it's it's not good. Like nobody wants that. No one signs yeah. up for that, that's for right. sure. Um, if you're able to deliver the second baby's a breach, the likelihood of that is under 1%. So that's what it is in our group. That's what it is in wow. the French group and other large groups that do this. But in the rest of the, I mean, there's the world data, it's about five to 10%. Meaning, and that's usually because the doctor or midwife says, I'm comfortable delivering twins, but only both babies come down head first, right? Baby A's head first, so it's sort of like a birth, then a birth, right? Sort of the same thing. And so number one, they'll only let you labor if both babies start out head first, right? So if the second baby's breached, they won't even let you. And the other thing that's important is even though the second baby's head first, remember first baby's down here, second one's up here. After the first baby comes out, the second one doesn't always plop in head first. It can sort of come down shoulder first or the arm or something. And so they end up with a C-section. And so that's, it's really important if you have twins and you want to deliver them vaginally. And not everybody wants to deliver them vaginally. Some people hear me talk about them. They're like, I don't want to be part of that. That sounds freaky. They want a C-section. Yeah. <laughs> a C-section of twins is not a bad outcome. Yeah. But if it's not what someone wants and they want a vaginal delivery, I'll talk to them about it. And they should ask their doctor, do you deliver twins vaginally? Do they both have to be head first or can the second one be feet first? What is your likelihood? Like how many of these do you do a year, a month, whatever it is? And if it's somebody who does a lot of them and says, yes, I deliver twins, I deliver them vaginally. If the second baby comes down feet first, I'm comfortable doing a breech extraction. That's what it's called. I've done yeah. it before, I know what I'm doing you're in good hands and your chances are high that you'll have a vaginal delivery. And if the person says, you know what? I didn't really train a lot in this. I'm not so comfortable doing a breech extraction. I don't do a lot of them. It doesn't mean you have a bad doctor or midwife. They just didn't have the training like that happens. So either you're stuck having a C-section or a higher chance of a C-section or you'll have to find another provider. That's just a reality. Um, 
And that's, you know, that's just the state of affairs in the U.S. nowadays with twins. People who do it a lot tend to be very, very good at it. And people who don't do it a lot will do their limited, you know, potential vaginal deliveries and the rest they'll do by cesarean. And that's where you get an 80% uh, rate of cesarean in the U.S. Very long answer, but it's... Um, no, it's so good. Yeah. I, it has me curious, though, and maybe this is like, you know, my like birth nerd, I want to know more education behind this. I'm so curious why having a breech baby first is not as good. Like what's the yeah. details behind that? And that second one can just, it's not a big deal. Let's do it. Yeah. So it's a, it's a great question and I, I should have explained it better. So what happens is if, what's the concern of delivering a baby breech, right? Like what's the big deal? Head first, feet first, who really cares? The, the concern is that if you have a breech baby, they don't generally come out feet knees, thighs, chest, they usually come out folded in half with the butt first, fine. So, the cons and usually what they do is they dilate the cervix and you get the whole width of the body and it's even pretty big because you get the body plus the feet folded in half and it's sort of a big thing coming through the cervix and then typically the head just comes out and that's fine. But what happens sometimes is when the babies are smaller or if they're just gonna come out feet first, your concern is that the body's gonna fit, like the legs and the chest are gonna fit, and then the head's gonna get stuck in the pelvis, sort of under the pubic bone or from the cervix, and then you have a situation where you can't get the head out, the baby not, might not be getting oxygen during that time, sometimes the arms are behind the head and you can't fit and you have to break an arm to get the baby out, or sometimes they get injuries, and so that was the fear, and if you look at breech deliveries, there is a higher risk of these injuries. The reason it's it's, controversial is because the injuries don't tend to be long-term injuries like it tends to be a higher rate of like a NICU admission or a broken bone which all heal fine and so people have argued wait if these injuries are sort of temporary and they're not so common we should be doing breach deliveries and that's the counter argument but that said people don't do a lot of breach deliveries okay but if you're carrying twins what happens is after the first baby comes out you're very confident on the size of the pelvis and so as long as the second baby isn't much bigger than the first baby, you know it's gonna fit. You know the head's gonna fit. And so that's why we're very confident that just taking the feet of the second baby and pulling the second baby out, the head's not gonna get stuck because the first baby already fit through there, the head fit. Now, it's also why there are some exceptions and if let's say baby A is measuring four pounds and baby B is measuring six and a half pounds, we would, we would be okay delivering them vaginally, but we would not deliver baby B feet first hmm. because the head might not fit. And we'll tell her, you have a five to 10% risk of a C-section of the second twin, right? Meaning I said it's okay. less than 1%, but if there's that exception, I'll tell her, listen, we can't do the breech extraction safely. So for you, you, you may end up with a C-section for the second twin. And some people in that circumstance choose to labor and some people choose not to. Um, but it's a really good question, and that's the reason. You're worried about the head getting stuck or getting injured on the way out. Okay, so in a situation like that where you've got four-pound baby that came first and a baby measuring about six in the back, and they mm -hmm. are breech, is that one of those where, like, we'll see if we can flip them? Is that what you were kind of explaining before? So what I was talking about before is the opposite. So Okay, I wanted to make sure because I'm like, you kept saying bring those feet down. I'm like, that doesn't, like, my... Right. So <laughs> crazy. Normally, when someone's carrying one baby, normally we're focused on flipping the baby to head first so they can have a vaginal yeah, right. And so for the second twin, people have tried that. If the second twin is not head first, to try to move it to head first. And there's some success with, success with it, but it's not very good. Um, because it's hard to turn a baby and immediately deliver. Usually you want to turn the baby and give it time to nestle into the pelvis. Sure. 
uh, and frequently the heart rate drops and the placenta starts separating, and so it's not great to do. For twins, we do the opposite. After baby A comes out, we potentially, let's say this, this, the head is very high and the heart rate starts dropping and we need to deliver the baby quickly, but it's not gonna come out from pushing within three minutes. So we go yeah. up and flip the baby, grab the feet, and then we pull the baby out. Because okay. you can't grab the head That's and crazy. pull the baby out by its head. You can yeah. grab the feet and pull the baby <laughs> right. out by its feet. Um, okay. it's, it's more nuanced than that, but you know, we'll just be very blunt. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's so neat. I, I I love what I am learning right now. That's super interesting because I will say, at least, I mean, my small sphere of, you know, people that I know birth-wise, mm-hmm. I haven't had these specific conversations or know of doctors that practice exactly like this. I have been at breech births with providers and women, yeah. but um, not with twins. And so super interesting. Twins, I'm loving yeah. this. Twins are, twin deliveries are awesome. I mean, they are just so much fun. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's, Twin births are all great. You have a baby, you have another baby, they're you know, two kids, they're different sizes, different situations, two births, they may be different. One you're pushing, one you're, you know, we're grabbing. It's it's a whole thing. <laughs> there's, there's there's like fifty people in the room, which is I was gonna say, it sounds like it it takes some more hands, but you need that's you so need cool. you have you have you have the mother, whoever's usually with her, or partner, or doula, both, you have an anesthesiologist, you have two obstetricians, you have two sets of pediatricians, two sets of nurses, you know, it's 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 a whole thing. It's a lot of people. But it is pretty cool and it's a lot of fun. And there's a lot of things that can happen. You know, the baby, the second baby is always an adventure. It could come down head first, it could come down feet first, and you have to change it. Do we start the Pitocin? Do we stop the Pitocin? Do we relax the uterus? Do we contract the uterus? Like there's a lot of things that happen. And so it is, um, it's, a, it's, it's a lot of fun. And we yeah. did a whole podcast just on like twin births, like vaginal delivery of twins. We did like a 45 minute podcast on it because there's a lot that goes into it. That's really neat. Um, I know another question that we got was, and maybe this is, you know, from a mm-hmm. mom that is not pregnant with twins yet, but uh, can I do this unmedicated? Like, what are yeah. the odds of me being able to have a vaginal birth and yeah. to go unmedicated? So I would tell you the following. Um, it's lower, and there, it's not as likely. And the reason is you can definitely labor and deliver twins without an epidural and do it uh, unmedicated. That's not a problem. There's two issues with that. One is... Well, three issues. One is it'll be painful. Okay, but that's what you know. That's what you're signing up for. You know, you right. want an unmedicated birth. God bless. Um, the second issue is since there might be a higher risk of an emergency cesarean, either for the second twin or even for the first twin, if you don't have an epidural and you're unmedicated and you have to rush to the back for an operation, they put you to sleep, which is quite unpleasant um, because when you wake up, you, you have more pain and you didn't get to be awake for the birth of your twins and it's a kind of a bummer. And so, that's another reason to sort of reconsider that thought. And the third reason is, if you're unmedicated, it's very hard for us to be able to do what we need to do to increase the chance of a vaginal birth of the second twin. Because remember, mm-hmm. the second twin is not head first. I have to reach in and grab the second twin, usually by the feet. And this, one on video, and so I'm gonna be graphic, I have to reach up to here, yeah. My hand goes wow. into here. And so wow. that's quite unpleasant. And it's nearly impossible to do that. He's showing to his elbow for those of you listening yeah. on the podcast, straight and, up and, to the elbow. It's, it's, it's people like they think that's pretty gruesome and it is pretty gruesome and it's quite painful um, without an epidural. And there's no yeah. question about it. And so, it, it, I mean, it's not impossible, right? It's not, she's not going to die if I do that, but I, I wouldn't want anyone doing that to me yeah. without anesthesia. So it's, 
it's one of these situations. So in our practice, we tell women, listen, we're really, really pro-vaginal delivery of twins, and we want to do everything in our power to give you that birth if that's what you want, and it's safe, obviously, but we can't do the things we need to do to guarantee you that, not guarantee, but increase your chances of that without you having an epidural. It's almost impossible because the second twin, that's that's the difference. The first yeah. twin, is not, it's not the first twin, it's the second twin. And if someone doesn't have an epidural, they're basically banking on the fact that twin B is going to come down head first and they're just going to push again. But then you're going to have that 5 to 10% chance of an emergency cesarean under general anesthesia. And that's just not fun for yeah. anybody. So it's, right. it's a trade-off. It's, again, we don't mandate it. There's a, you know, this is a free country. People don't have to do it. But after hearing everything, our patients, even the ones who are the most, whatever you want to say, you know, don't want an epidural, typically end up getting one with twins. And they try to, like, just lighten the load on it during the, the first, you know, baby's birth so it's not as dense of a block. And then we just give them a lot more right when the first baby's coming out so they're numb for the second baby or number. They're not completely numb. Yeah. I love that. I think my favorite part about having these conversations with you as a provider and why I said and believe in the beginning of this episode that I would come and see you myself is because of your respect and belief in in making this the experience that matters for mom, as well as doing your part in being the care provider and taking care of as you've been trained to and desire to do. So I really appreciate this conversation. I just want to say thank you for that. Oh, you're sweet. Listen, it's hard. I mean, because it's, it's, it's about having a conversation because people don't always know where we're coming from. Like someone might walk into the conversation thinking, this guy's a high-risk doctor. He just wants to do a C-section and get out of there. Okay. Or they might say, yeah, he wants to do a vaginal birth, but it's, it's just easier for him if I don't have an epidural or if I have an epidural, excuse me, it's just easier for yeah. him. And, and, but that's not the case. Right. And so they wouldn't know that unless we spoke. And when I would speak to them and say, no, 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 we love vaginal delivery twins. Like that's our goal. We love to do that. It's awesome. They know that we're like enthusiastic about it, but when we're talking about the epidurals, they realize it's not because it's easier for me, it's because it's easier for them, number yeah. one, and it's more likely to achieve what she wants to achieve. That's the other part of it. Like if you want to have a, you know, an 80 plus percent chance of a vaginal birth and a very low chance of a C-section of the second twin, let us do it the way it needs to be done, right? That's, it's just how it is. And, because I can't do what I need to do if you don't have an epidural. It's just too painful uh, for yeah. you, for me, right? And it'll be painful when you kick me in the head. But other than that, <laughs> it's, it's, right. it's for Yeah. No, I love it. And I love the conversation, right? Like it's all about yeah. communication and conversations. Um, and speaking of which, into the next question, mm-hmm. um, women want to know, and I'm curious too, like what are the most common questions that people have for you, women, couples, partners, as they come in and are meeting right. with you, what are those most common questions that they have? Uh, for twins, I would say the most common questions they have are all of the um, incorrect advice they've received from friends, <laughs> family, online, magazines, books, newspapers, whatever it is. And they're like, oh, so I can't exercise, I can't travel, I can't have sex, I can't work, I have to go on bed rest. And I'll be like, uh, no, we can do all the things. And that's generally we spend a lot of time talking about. And I'll talk to them about, okay, like, no, it's like you can have sex, you can travel like everyone else, you can, you know, you can exercise. In fact, I want you to exercise, you can work. And it's sort of work, like it's our job to keep an eye on you and the babies. And I'll tell you if you need to stop doing something. And so our recommendations for twins are very similar um, to singletons. With travel, it's a little bit different only because the likelihood of them going into labor early is much higher. So 
logistically they may want to like you know put a hard stop on when they're going to go out of town earlier than they would with one baby um but in terms of the others we're pretty i mean very permissive so that's that's one of the big things that we talk about a lot uh i would say the second the second most thing is certainly the delivery as we were talking about yeah. uh, and the third is probably the hell am i going to do with these kids after they're born spend <laughs> <laughs> a lot of time with that because they're always like oh i hope I hope it's okay. I hope they get to full term. I hope the birth is vaginal. This is this this this, and then all oh, they'll be born. I'm like, that's when the fun begins. After they're born, that's really when you go to work. The pregnancy is like this, and then <laughs> it's like that. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that you just your what you mentioned there because that was the other thing is like, okay, if I'm pregnant with twins, what can I do? What can I do? How is this different from having a single baby? And so, from what you're saying, it sounds like, and I love that approach. It's like, no, you're you're good unless I let you know that there's a reason to not be good. Right. So go go along right. with your life. Right. Yeah. But it's in conjunction with that, to be fair, we do check our twins a lot. Meaning, we see our twins every couple of weeks. And so, you know, if someone's gonna is living in some rural area and they're carrying twins mm. and they're a provider every two months, I, I might feel differently about that. Um, sure. But I see them every two weeks. And so yeah. I'm very, if I see them, everything's fine. I'm like, next two weeks, you're good to go. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. And so <laughs> I like to check in very frequently with them. Uh, and it's not high tech. I mean, the ultrasound, the visit, blood pressure, it's mostly, it's mostly just seeing how they're doing, conversation, this or that, to make sure that nothing has changed. Uh, so that's one of the caveats, but I tend to be pretty laid back with these things because if it's going well, it's going well. And a yeah. lot of the stuff that people recommend is counterproductive. Telling twins to just stop working lying in bed all day is going to cause problems. It's not going to solve problems or prevent them. And so a lot of that stuff is just nonsense. And we, we you know, we, we get rid of it right away. Nice. Um, curious though, you did mention about nutrition. You said nutrition mm. is way more important. And so I'll yeah. tell you like from within the birth course, we're always like, high protein diet, well-balanced, you know, getting everything that you need, lots of water, make sure you're taking your vitamins. So how is that different for twins or what do they need to pay a little more attention to? So I would say the following, for women carrying one baby, unless they've got something going on a baseline, like they have, they're, they're very underweight or they're very overweight or they have eating disorders or they have medical conditions, you know, for everyone else, honestly, it doesn't make a huge difference what people eat. I mean, it's nice to eat healthy foods and it's really good for you and the baby and we encourage it in this, but if it didn't happen that way, it's very unlikely to affect the baby or the mother or the birth or anything. Just these kids are resilient. You know, they, they can sort of, babies have been born through famines and through war and they tend to be right. okay. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you have a, if you have a, if you're eating too many cookies and potato chips and you don't eat it, I, like, it's not good for you, but it'll be okay. But for twins, it's their their growth is so much more tenuous because the placentas are not always functioning as well there's two of them and one of you and what we found in our own studies is that the women who gain the recommended amount of weight for twins do much better than the women who don't and by much better i mean what is the chance their babies are going to be small and also what are the chance they're going to go into labor early that was really mm -hmm. a surprise we didn't think it would work that well but you know and for twins it's basically a pound a week uh, for most for some people who start out heavier it's maybe three quarters of a pound a week so you're talking about over the course of pregnancy 30 to 40 pounds is like sort of what we want twins to gain and for someone like oh my god that's so much but <laughs> it really 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 works and so in the first trimester it's tough people are nauseous of this and hard to get anything in and okay but once you have like 10 12 weeks and those usually get better. 
they're actually eating a lot. It's crazy. The calories and you want you want a well balanced diet, a lot of protein, you know, you want fats, you want to get healthy fats, you want to get your nutrients, you want to get a lot of you do need carbs, like you need fruits, vegetables, all these things, but high calorie count, high protein intake, and the weight gain has to be there. And so if women can pull that off and it's not easy, then they do better. We have all of our patients with twins formally see a nutritionist during pregnancy and get nutritional counseling. Not easy to do. You know, you're you're more full, the stomach's getting pushed up, you can't eat big meals. And so, you know, finding what are good healthy snacks with high calories and you know, what people can do to modify their diet to get this and make sure it's well balanced. And so we focus a ton and I rarely do this with women carrying singleton pregnancies because mostly it just drives people crazy and it doesn't help. <laughs> but for twins, I'm a big believer that it matters. And so we focus a lot on that. That's awesome. Um, I, I know that I'm curious myself, but I've had women ask too, okay, let's talk about postpartum, right? Like, just yeah. like you said, we've had these babies, now what? And I'm curious yeah. if you can walk me through postpartum for mom, like right after having baby and what that looks like before she leaves the hospital, as well as like, what do you do with these two babies when you get them home? Right. Postpartum for mom, not that much different from one baby. I mean, yes, slightly higher chance of having some bleeding issues. And obviously, since there's a higher chance of C-section, that recovery is different. But a C-section of twins versus a C-section of one baby, the recovery is pretty similar. And a vaginal birth of twins actually tends to be a little bit easier than the vaginal birth of one baby because the twins are smaller. Um, so like they tend to have less tearing and less you know swelling and pain. Meaning if you're having one baby that's nine pounds and you have a vaginal delivery, it's a real recovery, right? I and mean, it's serious, yeah. but if you have two four and a half pound babies, right, nine pounds total, and they come out one at a time, your recovery tends to be a little bit better. So that's nice. Um, they tend to get a little bit more swelling, I would say after birth, like, you know, swollen feet, stuff like that slightly higher risk of the blood pressure going up. Whether there's a higher risk of like postpartum, you know, mood disorders like depression or anxiety, uh, maybe yes, maybe no. Is it because of twins or because again, maybe they're older and it's hard to know for sure, but there's probably a slightly higher risk. Um, It's certainly a little more stressful. So whatever that, um, you know, women who get postpartum depression, it's not like because they have a stressful, you know, birth or home experience, It, it can contribute to it, but you have a perfect home experience and have postpartum depression, like some of it's organic and some of it's situational, but the situation is usually a little bit harder with twins. So however much that contributes, it's more likely. Um, and then it's hard to sleep is very difficult. It's hard enough to sleep with one baby, uh, but to sleep with having two newborns is really tough. And, and that's like my own personal experience. Like that was something we focused on um, a lot with our twins and how to get them on the same schedule and this, and you feed one, feed the other. There's this adage, you never wake a sleeping baby. Not true. You have to wait. Uh, one of them, if, 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 you're, if the girl wakes up at three in the morning screaming and needs to eat, and your boy's sitting there sleeping comfortably, wake him up, snap his feet, throw cold water on him, get him up, feed him so they go back to sleep at the same time. Um, otherwise, you'll be feeding on the hour every hour for like six weeks, and you'll, it's, it's very tough to do that, particularly yeah. if you're nursing. If you're bottle feeding, it's a little bit easier with that because you can switch off maybe, you know, if there's two of you, you can sort of, I'll take 12, you take two, I'll take four and whatever. But if you're nursing, you know, it's just you. And so that's really, that's, you gotta, all the more so try to get them on some sort of a schedule, even if it's every three hours, which is still pretty gruesome. It's a lot better than every hour, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I, I don't know from personal experience, but it sounds good. <laughs> it yeah. sounds like that would make sense. Um, okay, so I'm curious to, Tell me about if you could give like just 
the best advice that you would have to women who are pregnant with twins or coming up to a delivery with twins, what would that be for them and for their partners? Yeah, I would say um, three things. The first thing, uh, four things. The first thing is early on, the second you know you're having twins, make sure someone does an ultrasound right away to find out what kind of twins are you having. Are they sharing one placenta? Do they have two placentas? Because that, the risk of twins is greater than singletons, obviously, but within twins, there's like low, medium, and high risk. And that's mm. totally dependent on how the placentas or placenta, if they're sharing a placenta, is situated. And so the, it's, it's best defined early in pregnancy. So someone knows in eight, nine weeks that they're having twins, make sure to say, do you know what kind of twins I'm having? How many placentas there are? What's going on? If the answer is yes, you have A, B, C, D here, fine. If the answer is not so sure, I'm going to schedule an ultrasound in a month, I want it tomorrow, right? So early in pregnancy, find out as early as possible what kind of twins. So that's number one. Number two, during your pregnancy, am I getting followed closely? Are you following me closer than you would for one baby? How are you assessing if they're, what their growth is like? How are you assessing whether I'm a risk for preterm birth? How are you checking my nutrition? Like, do my providers, are they on top of this? And again, if they take care of twins, they'll have some sort of way they take care of twins and it'll be pretty thorough and you're good. And it's someone who doesn't take care of a lot of twins and it looks like they're just winging it, you probably wanna go somewhere else because um, it's that's not what you want. Yeah. Uh, number three is the same thing for the birth. Find out early about who's taking care of you. Are you comfortable delivering twins? Right, again, assuming you want a vaginal, if you want a C-section, you know, they'll all do C-sections. But if, if you want a vaginal delivery, is it something you're comfortable with? You know, what are the circumstances that have to be in play for me to do it? Do you deliver the second baby as a breach or not? Like all of these things you need to know because you'll get a sense of, is this, am I gonna have a very high chance of a vaginal delivery? It's never 100, but whatever, versus sure. a very low chance and everywhere in between. And if you're not comfortable with the answers you're getting and you think there's another option, get another opinion. And the earlier you do this, the better because it's very hard to switch doctors at 35 weeks when you find out. I've had that. I've had women switch into our practice at 34, 35 weeks because it was the first time their doctor told them, oh, by the way, I don't deliver twins vaginally because they never had the conversation before. And so, right. what? what? Like, what are you talking about? They're like, yeah, I don't think it's safe. And so they came through for opinion. I'm like, I do think it's safe. And they switched. And that's very, we're, we'll take them, but a lot of people won't. We'll not take on people with 34, 35 weeks. Um, so if that's something to try to sort out early, uh, again, you can't guarantee anything, but you just go to a sense, is this person sort of in line with what my wishes are? Uh, and the last thing, the fourth thing is again, after birth, uh, what's my plan, right? Do, mm. Are the two of us, you know, if, yeah, we have a lot of single moms who are gonna have twins right. and that's great, God bless them. But I say to them like, what's your plan, right? If it's you and these twins, that's really, really hard. And if you can do it, God bless. But if you think you might need help, who's gonna help you? Do you have friends or family? Are you going to hire somebody? Like, what's your plan in that situation? And even if it's two people, you know, even if you're a thruple and it's three <laughs> people, I, I just learned that term. I didn't know what it was, but it's hard. Like, do we have this sorted out? Who's, is, are we going to work? Are we not going to work? Who's up at night? What are we going to do? Like all these things you want to think about to try to maximize the chances that your first one, two, three, four, five months with the twins are not gruesome, that they're somewhat pleasurable and fun and as possible. It's always hard. Um, sure. And that'll probably make the entire experience better. But it, it, it requires some thought. You know, read up on twins. 
listen to the podcast on twins like try to get as much soak it in as much as you can so you feel prepared both beginning throughout and then after the birth thank you um i that kind of leads into the the last thing i wanted to discuss mm-hmm. which was what are some resources or like your favorite places that women can go partners can go to kind of learn yeah. about this information you me- mentioned podcasting but do you have some favorite books or i mean whatever um, what, what, what would you recommend yeah i have some favorite books um and I'm happy to put my name behind them. One of them is uh, What to Expect When You're Expecting Twins. Uh, the authors are uh, Roger Newman and Barbara Luke. Barbara Luke is, a, is an RN. She's a nurse who did a ton of publications on nutrition and twins. And so she's like the person for nutrition. Um, so they wrote a book. I actually I, I like wrote a little blurb on it. That's, that's how much I like their book. Uh, in general, there's a book on pregnancy in general by Emily Oster called Expecting Better. Uh, which I think is fantastic. It doesn't, it's not on twins specifically, but so much in there is just good pregnancy advice that I'm, I'm all over. She's been on my podcast a bunch of times because I just think she's awesome. Um, honestly, I don't get paid for my podcast. Listen to my podcast. Uh, if you want to hear about <laughs> it. I, I believe strongly that we're, that we're giving good, reasonable information. If, if, if you think what I'm saying now makes sense, you'll like my podcast. If you think I'm a nut and a freak, don't listen <laughs> But then again, this is a, we talk about these things that bring on guests. We talk about complicated twins, uncomplicated twins, identical twins. Like there's all these things we talk about. You have to get good information. If you go to the Google, it's going to get ugly. I, I just, it's unfortunate. There's just too much on it to, you yeah. can't go and find what's good and what's not or what's applicable and what's not to you because it's not nuanced. It's just like a data dump of here's all the horrible things that could happen to you. And it's like, it's what? It's so true. Right. It's just, it's, it's a shame because there's so much good stuff out there. It's just hard to find. Yeah. Well, and it's easier to latch on to the bad stuff, right? Because you're like, oh, that like, yeah. it, it hits you a little harder. And you're like, well, I'm going to think about that for the next 24 hours, you know, till I can call my provider. <laughs> so, totally, totally. Yeah. Okay. Do you want any like final words since you are also a father of twins? I just wanted to like give you that option right there to just throw it all out. Uh, it's awesome. I, I, my twins are a boy girl. And so some of the things about twins are not as complicated, you know, because they don't have the same friend groups and they're not necessarily in the same classes or this or that. You know, you want your twins to have their own identity, obviously. It's, it's nice that they have, like, the twins, but remember they're also individuals, and when you're raising them, they're getting older, it'll matter more to them, particularly if they're identical twins, that they sort of, mm-hmm. they feel like their parents understand that they're individuals and not a unit, uh, only a unit. I mean, they'll have their relationship with each other no matter what you do, but just sort of be mindful of that. Definitely get really... Um, get serious about their sleeping. Uh, even if you're really laid back in general with one baby and oh, whatever he or she does is fine, we'll deal with it. With two, they can really, it's, it's, it's tough. I always tell people with twins, it's like you against them. They are trying <laughs> to like, harm you uh, for the rest of your life. You have to really you know, have a good defensive strategy for them not to do that because it can, listen, sleep deprivation is a really tough thing. They do it to torture people. I mean, it's like sleep deprivation <laughs> yeah. real. And if you're right. not getting any sleep with the twins, you will not be a good parent. You'll not feel good about yourself. You're not going to be well. You definitely have a higher chance of having postpartum mood disorders. And so sleep is serious. And it's nice to say, oh, you know, we're going to let the kids do what they want and it's, you know, whatever. Whether that's better or worse, I happen to think it's better to get them on a schedule, even with one baby, but okay, whatever. But you're not doing anyone any favors if you're sleep deprived. You're not gonna be the parent you wanna be and you're not gonna feel well and you're not gonna be well. 
and ultimately for your family unit, like everyone in the home, if you're not sleeping, everyone suffers. And so yeah. that's, I take that very seriously with people. And again, everyone's gonna have a different plan, but don't just try to wing it because they will absolutely win. Those twins are serious stuff. They will beat you, they'll beat you down. <laughs> no question about it. Love it, thank you, such good advice. Okay, um, let everybody know exactly where to find you, all of the places, and I'll make sure to link everything in the show notes. Yeah. And I am on his team. I support, I love his podcast. I do think that you should go listen to it. Honestly, if people here think you're crazy, they probably think I'm crazy too and wouldn't be listening. So I hope that they do Wonderful. go check that out. <laughs> um, yeah, so you can find me roaming around the Upper East Side of Manhattan by work, or you could find me roaming around Englewood, New Jersey with my dogs. Uh, my kids don't spend any time with me anymore because they're teens or in their 20s, but my dogs do. <laughs> Uh, but if you want to listen to me, uh, you can either come to my podcast. One is called, again, Healthful Woman. That's W-O-M-A-N. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're wherever you get pod- podcasts. Um, we have a website, which is healthfulwoman.com, one word. Our other podcast, also uh, same places. It's called High Risk Birth Stories, uh, same website. Uh, you can go to my practice website, which is MFM, like maternal fetal medicine, NYC, like New York City, .com. There's links back and forth. You can find me. Um, we have emails there. You can send me messages, send me emails. I answer them. It's my pleasure. I love hearing from listeners, whether it's their own story, they want to tell it, they have a suggested topic, they have a question. Uh, I'm interactive, and it's it's been a lot of fun. Again, it's not my job. I do the podcast. Uh, it helps my patients. It helps people I don't know. It's a lot of fun to do. Uh, I've been I'm pretty passionate about it because I think it's the way to get good information out nowadays and I think it's how people digest information and so I'm very pro uh, the podcast but again it's not my career I'm a doctor I take care of patients so I'm not selling anything here I don't even have any ads yet I'll tell you that much (laughs) same if you want to pay me to be on my podcast we'll talk I love it yes well you're awesome for doing it advertising but it hasn't happened we're just doing it we're doing it for fun yeah, but yes, yeah, fun, but it is it is very like like I said, serious conversation. I don't oh, know. Yeah, I yeah. learn a ton. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. So I mean, good. We range, I mean, listen, Monday's podcast is on like yeast infections, right? I mean how yeah. mundane is that? But everyone wants to know about that because everyone gets them. And yeah. we have another one on like placenta accreta, which is like the craziest dangerous pregnancy out there and everything in between. So we're yeah. talking low risk this, women's health, yoga, nutrition, exercise, pregnancy, gynecology. We're all over it. Anything you, anything that relates to women's health, we're on it. I love it. Well, I will, as I said, I'll include all of that in the show notes. And I just want to say thank you again for being on the podcast. It's awesome. I love being on your podcast. I love your podcast. I love that you came on my podcast. And uh, and yeah, I, hopefully I'll be back. And again, if your listeners have any questions, they can, I guess, reach me through you, whatever it is. I'm, I'm happy to, to, to answer them or to whatever, you know, say hello. Thank you. That's it for this week, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications first as I drop new episode every week. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for all of the free downloads mentioned here and to join the birth course and community serving pregnant moms just like you. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I would love it if you would take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one and include one at the beginning of each episode. See you next week.